created a Von Wolfhausen beer recipe. Gary Hoffman. It was the greatest beer in all the world. I kill for a beer. Really say a woman was banned from a local Walmart. Shannon Farron. While drinking wine from a Pringles can. I drank beer with my friends. Gary and Shannon. I drank beer. Drank, drank beer. Which I gladly do. And, uh... So do, so so do, so whatever. I figured out how to drink my beer through osmosis. I'm so bad. You probably think that you are better now, better now. You only say that because I'm not around, not around. You know I never meant to let you down, let you down. Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and, of course, over the air, KFI AM 640. Live today for our uh, latest news and brews. We're BJ's Restaurant Brew House in the City of Orange. Oh, I see some familiar faces out there. Thank you guys for coming out. We're going to have a great time today. It's not Friday, but we're going to make it feel like one. I see a lady having a Bloody Mary. That looks mm. delicious. <laughs> It's a delicious way to you kick could off get the one weekend. If you wanted to, you it's know, a they, little early for me. They ordered. They they took a drink order earlier. Nobody said anything other than coffee and water. But that's up to you. It's all personal judgment at this point. Uh, well, thank you guys again for uh, for coming out. Uh, there's plenty of room out here because it's only ten o'clock in the morning. But uh, does somebody still have a bell? Yes. Yeah. Oh boy. Eric right. has the uh, bonus bell. <laughs> Excellent. That's when we used to give stuff away. Remember oh, those days? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got a funny email about that this morning. I tell you that? No. Yeah, it was a funny email about, uh, hey, we're going to have stuff to give away, aren't we? And then the email said this. No. Yep. So, <laughs> Well, we apologize. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming out anyway. Uh, well, we have a lot to get to today. Clearly, we have uh, the regular show that we're going to do. We'll get into some weird science stories a little bit later, of course. Uh, next hour, a good serial killer story. We, for some reason, well, I should say, I shouldn't say for some reason, we love these serial killer stories, not because of what they are, but... Because of how it is that we solve these cases. It's fascinating, especially when a number of years go by. And we told you the story last week about the woman who had been 19 years old when a girl in the community who was 18 was, was taken from, from the street. She went for a jog. And how years later that, that girl was instrumental in solving the other girl's murder. Uh, it's just fascinating because she had ended up working at the same bakery with the killer. We'll talk about one of the most notorious serial killers in the entire United States and how it is. I mean, he's here in prison in California, but how it is that a Texas Ranger came to California, got him to confess to so many of these murders. But we'll talk the about big, that next hour. Big story of the day, of course, is that Melvin Gordon is back. No, 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 that's not. That's I not mean, it? it is a big story. It's not the big story. I kind of wish I was Petros this morning because I'd rather talk about that than this whistleblower complaint well the whistleblower complaint that that we have to talk about is um is important because it was unclassified overnight uh members of congress got their chance to take a look at it hot, my hot little hand right here the acting director of national intelligence joseph mcguire is before congress testifying about it in front of house intelligence senate intelligence committees and there's a few things to know about what came out of this whistleblower complaint. It is a nine-page document, and it was released today ahead of testimony, as you mentioned, from Joseph McGuire. And it is, at least in part, related to that July phone call that we've been talking about between the president and the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, in which Trump did ask Zelensky to investigate Joe Biden. 
Now, I can't agree with all the news outlets that say the president repeatedly prodded the Ukrainian president because I just didn't read that when I was going through the memo based off the transcript. Or that it was even a quid pro quo for our military money or or a deal to buy javelin missiles or something like that in exchange for dirt on Joe Biden or Hunter Biden. Right. Okay, so that's where we are. But, But the complaint that we found out about from this whistleblower, who at this point is still unidentified, Uh, says a couple of things. Number one, that that person who went to the inspector general for the intelligence communities, that person did not have firsthand knowledge of the phone call, the memo of which we saw yesterday. That person told the inspector general that they had been contacted by other White House officials, as many as six, I think it was. Senior White House officials that had intervened to lock down all records of that phone call, especially the official word-for-word transcript of the call. Now, this makes sense to me. Whereas the president is going to get on the phone and have whatever conversation he wants to have, rules be damned, the people who are entrenched in Washington and have been so for years, decades maybe, are going to see that call as being problematic. Right. The president doesn't care. If he wants Biden investigated, he's going to ask for it. But the people who have been in Washington longer know that that's just not done and that's going to look bad. And so that's why they moved to lock down all the details. Now, the, the importance of that lockdown specifically is that the word-for-word transcript to the word-for-word memo that we saw was put in a system that is usually used for storing highly classified information that, that details um, covert actions and things like that, names of spies, so stuff that the intelligence agencies don't want. That type of a system is not normally used to keep things like a phone call secret. So that's part of what the whistleblower saw as abuse. That's why they went to the inspector general. Uh, a couple of things about, I mean, there are other things about specifically about the complaint. The uh, State Department apparently didn't like the fact that the personal attorney for the president, Rudy Giuliani, was having contact with the president of Ukraine and then said that the timing of the conversation was very suspect because the timing of this phone call back on July 25th coincided almost directly with a change in policy. We had agreed and Congress had uh, approved several million, hundreds of millions of dollars actually to go to Ukraine to help beef up their military. And the time right around this phone call was made was when we saw a change of policy, that we were going to withhold some of that money. The president's explanation was it, for it was, listen, we need Europe to come up and stand up to the, to the plate here. We need Europe to come forward and make sure that they help uh, defend their neighbor as opposed to us coming all the way from across the Atlantic to do so. So it, that, that part of it. Now, the things that were said today are also very important. The things that were said by Joe McGuire, the current uh, acting director of national intelligence. So, Also, there's more in that complaint, just not about the phone call. There's about uh, a bit about the administration using a separate computer network. Yeah. For these conversations from where they're usually stored. The, the acting director of national intelligence also said something important about know that it appears that I'm sorry, the inspector general in the report said, I know it appears that there could be political bias here. So even the inspector general admits whoever this whistleblower is does not like the president politically. 
But the inspector general said there's still enough information here. This is credible. It's important enough that we look into it. Oh, you can get that in the first line of that memo. Yeah. That he hates the president or oh, she hates the president. And some weird people who say, not weird people, some people that you would not expect who have said this does not rise to the level of impeachment. All right. Coming back, we'll take a look at Eagles at Packers tonight for Thursday night football. Also, <laughs> what Melvin Gordon's return will mean for your Los Angeles Chargers. All of that and more coming up. <laughs> Gary and Shannon live today at our latest news and brews. We're at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out grab some early lunch if you're out here. We'll be back in just one moment. I'm at an all-time. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We are out here today at BJ's in Orange on the City Drive here right off the 22, right off the 5. It's very, very convenient. Plenty of parking, plenty of beer. Yeah, I don't think they're going to run out of that anytime soon. No. uh, In a few minutes, we'll talk more about Carson King. He is the uh, Iowa kid who held up a sign outside of a football game a couple weekends ago and said he needed more money for his bush light. And, uh, oh, several hundred thousand dollars later, uh, there's a whole controversy now. For some reason, he gets caught up in some stupid jokes that he told about seven years ago. And uh, the Des Moines Register publishes information about him that would make you think he's a giant a-hole. When some in fact, little troll reporter, some little hateful little reporter had to go dig around and play gotcha on a great feel-good story. Yeah. Well, it turns out that reporter had some bad tweets of his own in his wake. Um, also, coming up in the 11 o'clock hour, remember how they sent in Clarice to talk to Hannibal Lecter? Quid pro quo, Clarice. Yes. yes. Well, a similar situation happened with a lawman in Dallas and a serial killer in California. Oh, and the weird reason why this serial killer opened up to this Texas Ranger. It's very strange. All right, we're talking about the whistleblower complaint that was declassified. Uh, Republicans have said this contains really no surprises compared to what we knew already about the president's conversation on the phone with the president of Ukraine. Discussions about Joe and Hunter Biden, discussions about uh, defense spending, and discussions about Uh, favors is the word that they use again it's not the phone call that did him in it's the what is perceived to be the cover-up it's almost never the action it's It's always always what happens after the action (laughs) now in this case nancy pelosi has already taken to the microphone this morning and the house speaker has you know we knew a couple of days ago she said she was going to launch an impeachment inquiry now up until that point she had not seen the whistleblower complaint but now that she's seen it she says this effort to potentially cover up the, the details of that phone call, that's what it is that they're going to be going after now. So she, I guess, launched the investigation before she knew what was going on and now thinks that she's got a little nugget of information that she can use. Um, I found it interesting. Almost all of the people running for president on the Democratic side have said this has been uh, – too long in uh, too long coming. They needed to do the impeachment a long time ago. Tulsi Gabbard, the congresswoman from Hawaii, says this is not impeachable. She says this is bad, but that this is not something she thinks we should uh, put the country through right now based on this incident. Well, it's all dependent about who you ask when it comes down to this whistleblower complaint and the phone call in question. Some people see egregious egregious high crimes and misdemeanors and they're reading into it like it's 
like he is repeatedly going after Biden in this call and repeatedly asking for him to be investigated. I don't see it that way. I think you're going to read into what you want to read into it. Yeah. And it's all dependent about who you ask. And when you think about the, I mean, if we, if you separate the two things, if you separate whatever the president did on that phone call with what Joe Biden is accused of doing, and more importantly, what Hunter Biden is accused of doing, they're very different things. Hunter Biden got drummed out of the military for, for, for cocaine use, right? That's a document. It's not a slam. That's not a slur. That's a documented thing. He got kicked out of the military for cocaine use. Then he gets assigned to this board for an oil company, a natural gas company. He knows nothing about energy. It was strictly for his name. Right. It was strictly for some sway because Vice President Joe Biden was sitting in that vice presidential seat. And he had recently been tasked with Ukraine. Yeah. He was going to be the point man for the Obama administration on Ukraine. Right. So... The, so when Joe Biden comes out, plays tough guy, and says, we're not going to give you this billion dollars in loan guarantees until you remove that prosecutor, did he know his son was on the board? Probably. Did he know his son was making money for something he knew nothing about? Probably. Does that mean that Joe Biden is the bad guy in this whole thing? Who the hell knows? Hunter Biden, to me, is by far the worst guy. He knew he was going to take that job knowing nothing about what goes on in the energy sector. It's bad for the president. It's bad for Joe Biden. But is anybody shocked? Is anybody shocked that at the highest levels of American government, there's this nepotism and this dirty politicking? I'm not shocked. Uh, there's a couple of things to remember here. The, the Democratic Party has said that this is important. We have to do this now. Um, polls be damned. Because right now, the general consensus of polling in America is that they do not want to see the United States House members go through an impeachment process now because I don't know if most people know it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, but they know that this is a divisive thing that happens and they don't want to see it. The other thing is the Republican, uh, the National Republican Congressional Committee, this is the fundraising arm that puts together all of the money and then dispenses it out to people who are running for, uh, for House seats. The National Republican Congressional Committee says uh, fundraising is up 608% oh, yeah. as a result of all of the talk about impeachment. 608% bump Dem- in their fundraising. The Democrats might just screw themselves again with this. It's possible. Because it is, very it, possible. it is going to fuel that campaign. Well, Joe McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence, is on Capitol Hill, and he's been testifying most of the morning. We'll keep an eye on that. We have our people, of course. We have people. They listen to things like that. So if our people say something about that to us, that's our people. Like Nick. Nick is our people. Nick is our producer back here, and he's watching something on his phone. Are you watching soccer? Okay. (laughs) On his phone. All right. Uh, Come out and join us. We are at BJ's in Orange on the City Drive South, having a great time already. Already a great crowd. Come out, meet some new friends, have some lunch, kick off a little early, have a cocktail. Let's get the weekend started early. When we come back, the good story that turned into a bad story and then a good story again, that Iowa kid. reporters are hateful little people. (laughs) They have very poor self-esteem. True. Yes. We'll talk about that when we come back. Gary and Shannon will continue live at our News and Brews at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. We are going to come together. We're going to come together. Gary and Shannon live today, our latest News and Brews. 
at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House here in the city of Orange. Thanks to BJ's, by the way, for letting us uh, come and crash their early morning party. What a difference a freeway can make. I left the uh, the 210. It was bright and sunny. Took the 605 down here. It was raining. And now it's uh, it's pretty dark and gray outside. You know what? I... Makes you want to huddle inside a BJ's brew house. I want to crawl into a bowl of soup. Yeah, you do. Pull the covers up. They've got some soup here. Uh, the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, is on Capitol Hill today. He's testifying before the House and Senate Intelligence Committees about the whistleblower complaint. That, by the way, was unclassified overnight. And you can uh, you can check it out. Read some of that information for yourself instead of relying on boneheads like us to do it for you. A um, little bit later in the show. We're going to be talking about those uh, public safety power shutoffs. The utilities have said that when the winds blow, et cetera, they're going to turn off electricity so they don't start fires. Well, there's a great word from PG&E, for example, that says, hey, they're going to get worse before they get better. So we'll talk about that next hour. You smell that garlic? Again, I apologize. Mm, Smells so good. That's not me, by the way. No, I know. Okay. (laughs) That would be odd Uh, if you were just oozing garlic. We... (laughs) We told you the story just uh, the other day about uh, Carson King. Carson King became a sensation last weekend. One of those stories that just took off like wildfire. This is a kid who went to college game day. And this is a big deal if you're a college football fan. To go to college game day and maybe get on the cameras behind the, the sports anchors there at the desk ahead of college football. Well, he goes, and what do you know, he gets to be behind the desk and he's going to be on television and like many people who make the pilgrimage to college game day he had created a sign to get some attention his sign requested that people donate money through his venmo account (laughs) so that he could replenish his supply of bush light poor kid well we all went through a phase when we were youths where we drank bad beer. <laughs> well, I mean, how many and he is in the midst cases of, it right of natty light did you put down in Chico? Well, he was just, he was only asking for about 25 bucks. He, I mean, listen, how much is a case of Bud Light? Maybe a couple for your friends, right? But since he's on national TV, he starts getting hundreds of dollars. And then he keeps getting dings on his phone. I have notifications from Venmo. Oh my gosh, there's some more. There's some more. Whoa, this is from Denver. This is from Delaware. This is from Colorado. Apparently Clemson fans were the ones that put out the most. At one point, he he had to call his parents and say, listen, I did something kind of dumb. What and do I, I asked do? for money for beer, but I have a lot of money now. What do I do? And his parents, who sound like great people, by the way, said, well, first of all, go buy a case of beer. <laughs> and second of all, donate the rest to charity. To How about to the Children's Hospital? Because the Children's Hospital does something very cool there. Right. At the University of Iowa, specifically at the stadium that they've got there, the Children's Hospital overlooks the field and they built basically a uh, an observation room where they'll bring all of the kids who are dealing with cancer childhood diseases whatever it is they can watch the game from this beautiful uh, observation deck that looks out over the field and at the end of the i think it's the first quarter everybody in the stadium 80,000 people all of the spectators everybody on the field all the players officials everything they turn to that end of the stadium and they wave to those kids. Chills. Just an, and they do it every home game. It's a fantastic thing. And he, by the way, this, uh, this kid, he is from, uh, Carson King is an Iowa State kid, right? That's why this is important because he's been invited to the University of Iowa 
to take part in this, you know, official wave that they do. It but, was the Cyhawk game. That's what they call it, yeah, right? They're, okay, they're between rivalry Iowa, game. Iowa State. So feel-good story, right? And it, go, it goes everywhere. ESPN does it. He gets to tour the Bush headquarters. He goes on Good Morning America. He goes on CNN, Fox and Friends. He's everywhere. A million dollars has been raised for these kids because of this one kid's sign that said, I need some more Bush light. And, and they make a beer after him. Right? Yeah. They call him Iowa's hero now, and they make a Carson King beer just for this guy. The the ice cream shop where he lives in Altoona ends up saying, we're going to put out a Bush Light (laughs) flavored ice cream, which sounds... Horrific. I'd give it a go, but it's fine, right? It all a great story, and if it was a if it was a great story, well, then we would end it right there. But the Des Moines Register, who you would think would be holding up this story and celebrating it, decides to investigate Carson King, and this hateful little troll of a reporter (laughs) named Aaron Calvin decides to dig through this kid's social media posts. We're in this new world of gotcha. What have you ever done in your life that was untoward? Let's dig it up and let's hang you for it. And the the frustrating thing about all of this is Aaron Calvin, the writer for the Des Moines Register, writes so beautifully about who this kid is, about how he's a great kid. He came from, you know, good parents. Uh, he, He stumbled upon something that was so positive and was able to ride that to even more positivity. But as you get deeper into this article, uh, like if you print it out, it's about six pages that we've got here. I'm going to read to you the paragraph that Aaron Calvin threw in there. Didn't need to. And the editors at the Des Moines Register should be ashamed of themselves for allowing this in. This is the paragraph. A routine check of King's social media revealed two racist jokes. One comparing black mothers to gorillas and another making light of black people killed in the Holocaust. They were from 2012. The kid was 16 years old. Do you know what stupid crap you said when you were 16? They I, all do I've, it now on social media. <laughs> the things that we said when we were 16 that was stupid, they're putting out there on Twitter for everyone to see because that's how kids communicate in 2019. Now, the, the reporter did ask, um, did ask our friend now, Carson, about the tweets. And Carson King, I don't know if he remembered them or if uh, he was like, oh, my God, I can't believe you went back to my tweets. He was asked about the tweets, and Carson King was remorseful, says he thanked the Des Moines Register for pointing them out and that they made him sick, and he has since deleted them. Now, can you imagine that? Could you imagine the the Des Moines Register, right, the biggest paper in all of Iowa is going to come forward, and they're going to do a great spotlight article on you and this wonderful amazing thing that you've done raising hundreds of thousands of dollars for sick kids and then they bombard you they they ambush you with this question hey how do you defend this tweet that you wrote when you were 16 years old and he he handled it beautifully unfortunately there have been repercussions and we'll get into that when we come back gary and shannon will continue uh we're live today at our news and brews here at the uh BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the City of Orange. Hey, if you come on out, we have a couple of things. We do have some things to give away. We do. We do we have some gift have cards. Some, yeah, that's, uh, that's right. Some BJ's gift cards that we'll be giving away a little bit later in the show, and but you gonna, have to be here. We're going to give away your shirt as well. Which one? This one. Or you want to give away your undershirt? I do have a T-shirt on. Okay, we're going to give away Gary's no, undershirt at some point too. Probably because, the worst. Uh, well, I mean, we were supposed to have Gary and Shannon show shirts, and we didn't. So we're going to have to give away your undershirt. Is that okay? 
and just write Gary and Shannon on it? Yes, we have Sharpies for that. That's a horrible idea. All right, uh, we'll be back in just a moment. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We are live today at BJ's in Orange. Not going to lie, those Bloody Marys look incredible. <laughs> you get it that three times now off the air and twice on the air. Well, I just wanted to make it known okay. that they look pretty good. All right, looks good. Uh, we have, uh, of course, followed the story of the uh, acting director of national intelligence who's on Capitol Hill today is testifying before the intelligence committees. We'll talk more about that a little bit later in the show. Uh, there was a very sad story. I don't know if you've seen this out of Moreno Valley. There was a, uh, a 13-year-old boy. Sucker punched at, at school. school. Yeah, sucker punched at school, and apparently uh, the punch knocked him into a pillar, uh, and he hit his head on the pillar before he went down. Uh, he has been declared clinically dead. The family is now talking about uh, uh, donating his organs. The two classmates of his... Went to jail immediately and uh, will stay in jail for some amount of time. My wife said this to me today. She said, I can't imagine that phone call. And I said, which one? The one where you find out that your son was killed or your son killed? Either one of those is a, is a life-altering call. We are talking about Carson King, the kid who became a TV sensation when he showed up to college game day, holding up that sign asking for beer money, and the donations started rolling in. He asked his parents what to do. They said buy a case of beer and donate the rest, which he was going to donate and did to a children's hospital. When that news broke, people donated more and more and more. It got up to a million dollars. So the Des Moines Register sits down for a deep dive on Carson King to talk Talk about his story and all the money he was able to raise for those sick kids. And they decided to throw in the fact that he had some bad tweets from the from the time when he was 16 years old. Now, the managing editor of the Des Moines Register was asked about this. Why did you uh, decide to publish those old tweets? Her name's Carol Hunter. And she said, and this is going to make you mad. She said, some of the toughest decisions in journalism about, are about what to publish or not. She said that shouldn't people know what were in his public posts? She said, the jokes were highly inappropriate. They were public posts. Shouldn't that be acknowledged to all the people who had donated money to King's cause or are planning to do so? His cause was the sick children. Yeah. It's not like they were donating for beer money at that point. A million dollars was going to the children's hospital. People were donating because they knew that. This it doesn't is, matter what was in his social media past. Part that, of what part of what angers me about that is that Carol Hunter says, you know, shouldn't that be acknowledged to all the people who had donated money to King's cause or were planning to do so? Yeah. If you, it wasn't a, his cause. I mean, his cause was the, the sick children, right? But it's <laughs> it's your responsibility. If you're going to give a hundred bucks to a kid who's asking for beer money in Altoona, Iowa, that's your responsibility to check on his background. If you think that that's a bad thing, and for her to suggest that, you know, oh well, we put it in at the end. We didn't really put it anywhere close to the top. You've got to know that's a nuclear bomb when you put it in something in the paper these days. That this kid had some sort of off-color yes. racist tweets or, or he was homophobic or transphobic when he was 16 years old. That's nuclear. Saturday Night Live can't even hire a comedian who's made off-color jokes in the past. 
I mean, that's the kind of world we're living in. So they knew what they were doing and they decided to do it anyway. And I just think that that is really irresponsible because now Anheuser-Busch has severed ties with him. They do say, they do say Anheuser-Busch will continue to give the money that they've pledged, which is matching the donations uh, that, that Carson... Um, that Carson King was able to come up with. So all told, there's still going to be more than a million dollars that goes to Stead's uh, Children's Hospital in Iowa. But they still had to ruin a perfectly good feel-good story. Well, the reporter, Aaron Calvin, who went out and published those tweets, turns out we weren't the only two people angry about it because a slew of people dug into his own social media past. And what did they find? Well... Tweets in line with what uh, Carson King had, had yeah. written when he was 16. At least as offensive at what, as what Carson King wrote. That's what the reporter wrote as well in the past. Between 2010 and 2013, this reporter published tweets that used a racist slur for black people, made light of abusing women, used the word gay as a pejorative, and mocked the legalization of same-sex marriage by saying he was totally going to marry a horse. So the, so the Des Moines Register... Uh, has to call the Des Moines Police Department because they are receiving threats now. Not just the paper in general, but that reporter specifically receiving threats for outing Carson King's original tweets. Now, let me, let me circle back because we started the story by telling you what a great guy Carson King is, that he just happened to stumble into this very, very high-profile spotlight. He wasn't intending to do anything like this, was never intending to donate a million dollars to a children's hospital. The world collapses around him, right? He's accused of the most horrific things because of tweets that he made six years, seven years ago. He still, he still, as good a guy as this is, he still comes out and says, the Des Moines Register has been nothing but kind in all of their coverage. This is a tweet that he wrote. And I appreciate the reporter pointing out the post to me. I want everyone to understand that this was my decision to publicly address the post and apologize and, uh, and that he believes that everything is going to work out. That is a good guy who got raked through the coals by some a-hole reporter for the Des Moines Register. And he now has to live with that. Because you're going to say, yes, this kid, this college kid, accidentally raised a million dollars for a children's hospital. Oh, but he also had racist tweets when he was 16 years you old. You know what happens with every those. single human's life is they say stupid crap when they're young. And then what happens? They evolve and, and they th- grow up and they mature and they don't say that stupid crap anymore. I'm done with going back and finding out what all of us said when we were 15 and 16 and then judging our character now on that. And by the way, Anheuser-Busch had a great opportunity there to begin the track yeah. towards realizing, right. hey, you know what? You can be an a-hole when you're 16. You could say stupid stuff when you're 15 years old. And then turn your life around and accidentally raise a million bucks. And we want to support that guy, not the 16-year-old who wrote those Right. Tweets. There was an opportunity there. Losers. I'm not going to say it, but this whole cancel culture. I don't know why we have to name everything now, put a label on it. It's just, it's gone too far. Because we have to have a hashtag for everything. No, we don't. uh, Yeah, we do. No, that ends today. Hashtag PSPS, which is the public safety power shutoffs that we've talked about a couple of times. The utilities are now saying they could get worse before they get any better. Because we're in Calcutta. Because hashtag Calcutta. Hashtag power shutoff cancel culture. The fifth largest economy in the world can't figure out how to have working power lines. We're live at our news and brews at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House here in the city of Orange. Come on out and say hello. We'd love to meet you. 
meet some new friends. The 11 o'clock hour of the Gary and Shannon Show coming up next. I can't wait to go home. Shannon, live today at our News and Brews, we're at PJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. I'm not going to lie, it kind of feels like PG&E has canceled tower in here. It's, well, it's very dark. It's nice. It's like a cozy lighting atmosphere going on. We have something like this in our office where there's, you know, the giant fluorescence that everybody has in every office across the United States. And uh, we got sick. Like it, We got sick of it. Yeah. And I don't know if it was physically we got sick or we just got annoyed at it. And then you bought it. Never challenge Shannon to buy something online. Because I'm an it impulsive will be, purchaser. It will be shipped within 24 hours, no that's, matter what it is. That's what Amazon does. I mean, you told me to go to, to Ikea, actually, to get the lamps. Well, because it's down the street. Right. But, I mean, it probably would have been the same amount of time to go get them and bring them back as it was for you to order them on Amazon to deliver yeah, them. Yeah, they were there in a couple hours. But we have li- limited lighting like this in our office, which makes it a little bit more comfortable, especially when you know you come in first thing in the morning. You don't want people to look at you right away. We also keep our studio about this level of light, too. John and Ken well, are like the, li- the brightest lights. The shades have to be up. They have to have full-blown lights. It's completely opposite from us. We do it because we don't know... We're okay with not knowing what handle has left in the in the in the office. I mean, we yeah. do our best to kind of wipe everything down, but that's really the genesis of having no lighting on in the studio. We just didn't want to see what he left behind. Whoa! Just I just spilled again. Look at that. Yeah, see, there yeah. he is talking about yeah. it. Uh, all right, we're we're live today at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out and grab some lunch or a beer or lunch and a beer. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, the Bloody Marys that Shannon keeps drooling over are pretty, pretty oh, amazing. Oh, I got one. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> that was, you weren't kidding. Is that a bean? Yeah, oh. it's a green bean. Okay. You've got a, uh, an, an olive, a mm. peppercini. Uh, kinds of stuff in there. Some celery. Um, we, a little bit later in the show, are going to get back into the story of the, uh, the whistleblower goings-on in Washington, D.C., the classified report has been unclassified, and we'll go through some of that and talk about what is in there that we didn't know about before. Also, uh, UCLA is starting a new school. Uh, it's a whole study of kindness. A school of kindness, you guys. And they're spending $20 million on it. Well, you could have hired us for what? Uh, $15? $15? And we would do a, a class <laughs> no, on how to be say, kind? I would say $15 million. We would do it for a million. We would. So that's a you know 5% of the cost that we could have done the same. So the UCLA, same if you're listening, that is our offer. That's our um, We have proof also. Thank you. We have proof also that Southern California Edison listens to this show. Because yeah. they, have canceled its, they have canceled their alert about uh, possibly shutting off power for more than 152,000 people across six counties because yesterday we were lamenting about the fact that it was glossed over when we talked about the 24,000 people who lost their power in Northern California because of a wind event uh, that we shouldn't have to do this. We should have utilities that have their transmission lines in working order so that there's not a fear that they're going to be, there's going to be another Santa Rosa or another paradise fire. I want to know, uh, Again, I haven't talked to anybody who works for a utility that would know the answer to this question. 
what has changed in the last uh, 50 years? The technology is not different. The technology of the wires themselves is not a whole lot different. Is it just the upkeep and the lack thereof? Maybe. maybe that, that, that 50 years ago it was brand new. Now it's 50 years old. The only thing that's different is the age of the equipment that we're looking at. And it's failing at a higher rate than it would have before. Because the wind isn't new. No. <laughs> that was my line from yesterday. I know. It's great. Wind is not new. <laughs> um, so uh, there were 152,000 people around six counties serviced by SoCal Edison who were, were being warned, hey, just so you know, your power might go out. The winds really didn't materialize over the last couple of days. So thankfully, they've said that, that this... Uh, Public service power shutoff is off the table, except there's one small place they're saying in Inyo County, maybe 500 people is what they're looking at. And again, that's just under consideration. They're still keeping their eyes on it. Higher uh, on the priority list was was public, uh, Pacific Gas and Electric, PG&E, up in Northern California for the most part. They shut off power to tens of thousands of people over the course of the last couple of days. And there are still people, by the way, without power. Their power was shut off Tuesday morning. Now they're going full 48 hours worth of, uh, of time without electricity in their homes. The current long-term forecast indicates the kind of weather patterns that caused these shutoffs. And they say that this will continue for at least the next month and possibly longer, depending on when enough rain arrives to bring our fire season to an end, if it ever does end. UCLA climate Scientologist, uh, Scientologist, that's a good one. I haven't even had any of this uh, Bloody Mary yet. Climate scientist, (laughs) Daniel Swain. Hey, he might be. I don't know. I don't know the man. Good point. Uh, Daniel Swain said the state is unlikely to get enough rain in the near future to stamp out the the fire weather. So based on PG&E's current criteria, we're in for the long haul in these power outages. And we should not take this sitting down. Like, we should not just take this as the way things are going to be from now on. Yeah. Now, PG&E, other utilities it's like around we can't, the state. We can't hold PG&E accountable for the fires that their lines cause. We can't uh, hold them accountable for all the people whose lives are lost or their homes and livelihood and all of that. Yeah, but and God now f- we can't even hold them accountable for making sure their equipment and works. God forbid you're three days late on your payment. Oh, yeah. Please. For your electricity bill. The, the PG&E, SoCal Edison, uh, all the other utilities are doing what they can or at least beginning to do what they can try to make sure that these fires don't crop up all the time. That is going through. That's uh, making sure that they uh, either retrofit their lines so that they don't fall down in high wind events or putting new equipment up as well. One of the things that they're doing is they're actually covering high-voltage transmission lines. And I don't know if they're covering them with tents, with shields of some kind, or if they're just adding insulation to the wires themselves. Because it's the bare wires, if a wind, you know, if a tree rolls into it, that's when you're going to see sparks, and that's when you're going to see a massive problem. But uh, a, an energy expert at Stanford uh, says the company's being more aggressive about trimming the trees that could fall on the power lines, and they're going to ramp up inspections of the electrical towers because, like we said, they're decades and decades old now. And we're the fifth largest economy in the entire world, and we can't figure it out. Well, investigators locally had a serial killer locked up, but he wasn't speaking until a Texas Ranger got in front of him and was able to manipulate him enough to get this serial killer to sing and talk about all the other murders he was guilty of. And we'll tell you about James Holland and how he was able to get Samuel Little to talk when we come back. To Gary and Shannon, live today for our News and Brews. 
BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out and say hello. We'd love to see you. This is when I apologize to unsuspecting people that thought they were just coming to BJ's for lunch and uh, walked into this show. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Gary and Shannon. Hey, it's Jill's birthday, everybody. Round of applause for Jill. Happy birthday. Gary and Shannon, we're live today at our News and Brews, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange, KFI AM 640, and of course live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app, and anytime as well. You can listen to our podcasts later. We should do more birthday shout-outs on this show, because that's really how you started in radio, is you used to get a birthday shout-out from the local radio wow. guy. How? Why do you remember things like that? I remember everything. I remember your eighth birthday when Dennis brought you that cake. Yeah, but that's a different... You, you, During the Great Floods? You remember that for a different reason. You think, you think Dennis and I had something special going on when I was eight. Hey, look, Matt Money Smith's on the television. What's he talking about? Nice tie. Look at that cleaning up for a radio guy. He's got a, he's got a furrowed brow 98% of the time, doesn't he? Wow. Uh, anyway, oh, speaking of football news... Melvin Gordon back at uh, in charge of practice today. That's right. He will not be active for the game against Miami this Sunday, but that does mean good things. It means that maybe the Chargers will have a better chance of closing out some of those close games that they've dropped the ball on. Um, I shouldn't say that. That's, that's a little bit too cutesy, isn't it? Speaking of sports, uh, Dodgers and Padres this afternoon. Dodgers have four games left uh, as they try to get home field advantage throughout the playoffs and into the World Series, assuming they get that far. I think um, I think Houston has 104 wins. The Dodgers have 102 wins. And then, of course, uh, after the game today in San Diego, the Dodgers end the season with three games in San Francisco. Eagles-Packers tonight on uh, uh, Thursday Night Football on Fox and the NFL Network. Well, let us tell you about Texas Ranger... James Holland and how he came to be so instrumental in finding out what a serial killer in California was guilty of during his reign of terror. Uh, James Holland built like a uh, brick, uh, Texas brick outhouse. Although he was born in Chicago, I think. Square jaw, blue eyes of steel. Okay. Tall, lean. Easy. The body of a college football player. All right. You made your point. Jeez. He grew up in suburban Chicago. A lot of brats. In 1995, he became a state trooper with the Texas Department of Public Safety. Twelve years later, he joined the Texas Rangers. Of course, an agency of about 130 detectives who handle the state's most serious offenses. One of the things that James Holland did um, when he became a Texas Ranger was, on the second homicide that he worked, just the second murder case, he persuaded a, a serial killer to take him... To the hidden corpse. And Can he you went, imagine that adrenaline rush as an officer? And you, you convinced that guy to take you to yeah. the body that otherwise never would have been found. And he was addicted. He knew that that was his calling, that he was going to be a homicide detective. And a serial killer whisperer as well. He learned how to best approach sociopaths, psychopaths. And he was teaching interrogation techniques in December 2017. It was at a police conference in Tampa. And he was approached by a detective from Florida. This detective wanted tips on how to interrogate Sam Little. Sam Little was a suspect in one of his cases. And the detective explains to our buddy, James Holland, 
that Little had spent his life traveling coast to coast and likely committed many homicides. And as you can imagine, this piqued the interest of James Holland, the serial killer whisperer. Now, we know Samuel Little here in Southern California because a few years ago, five years ago, as a matter of fact, he was convicted of strangling three women uh, from way back when in the 80s. He was sentenced to life in prison. He has admitted to those murders. He wasn't just convicted. He later admitted to all three of them. But people have speculated that he may have killed as many as 40 people. And police nationwide were searching for his potential victims when he came to the attention of James Holland. So with the blessing of this detective in Florida, James Holland began digging around Sam Little. He went for help from the analysts at the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. And the analyst said that Little had a lengthy criminal record, had spent some significant time in Texas, and they went ahead and found 12 potential victims there. Yeah, one of those of 12 was of particular interest because there were some similarities between that case and the case of the three women in Southern California. Just like those victims in Southern California, this was a woman who had been strangled, left partially clothed. And he was in the area around the time of her murder. Yeah, and this specifically was in Odessa, Texas. So uh, when James Holland gets an opportunity to talk with Samuel Little, he's got to figure out what is the one key that's going to make this guy talk? What is the one thing that he can say to this guy that's going to either appeal to his ego, make him feel comfortable, something that's going to happen that's going to make this guy want to explain to this Texas Ranger, James Holland, where the bodies are buried. The detectives here in Los Angeles said, hey, you take a crack at him. He hates us. And use that to your advantage. And the thing that the detectives told James Holland was really, really important. The thing that Sam Little hated being called and how James Holland used that to uncover all of the secrets that Sam Little was holding on to. Very weird. We'll continue with this story about uh, Texas Ranger James Holland and how he cracked the serial killer Samuel Little when we come back. We are live at BJ's in Orange here for our latest news and brews. We've got a great crowd here. We've got babies who are Eagles fans. We've got to start them young. Or else they become Packers fans. Right? Right. you you got to get some rudder on that kid early in life. All right. Gary and Shannon will continue. Gary and Shannon live today at the PJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange for our latest news and brews. I'm sure there's a table where somebody's got some open seats for you. Yeah, but come on. You can share tables. You have an umbrella in your hand. Smack somebody on the head with that umbrella. Exactly. Uh, We, a little bit next, uh, let's see, next hour, we're going to get into our stories of what's trending right now on social media. We'll do that in our what's happening. Also, UCLA is going to, UCLA has a whole new department on kindness. Good Lord. For about 20 million bucks, they're going to 
study kindness. We're telling you the story of Texas Ranger James Holland and how he became instrumental in finding out all the deeds that Sam Little, the serial killer here in L.A., committed. James Holland came to L.A. with the goal of interrogating Sam Little. Now, the detectives here had not had any luck. Sam Little hated these detectives. They told him, the detectives did, told James Holland something about Sam Little before he went in to interrogate him that was going to help open up this serial killer. The detectives told James Holland that Sam Little hated being called a rapist, even though his fluids were found on the clothing of two victims and prosecutors did label him a sexual predator. James Holland thought, well, there's an opening there. It's a very weird distinction, but for some reason... The killer in this case, Sam Little, knew there was a difference between uh, rape and, and murder and being turned on by the murder part of it. So James Holland, the Texas Ranger, when he sits down and meets with the guy, they start talking about a couple of things. I mean, it just the, hey, how about those detectives? And Sam Little says, I hate those L.A. detectives. Uh, I know people call you Sam, but... Is that how would you prefer to be called? And he says, "My mom always always used to call me Sammy." And James Holland, the Texas Ranger, goes, "Well, my mom used to call me Jimmy." So they become sort of weirdly friendly at about this. Sam, Sam Little's syntax, by the way, is snarled. They say his accent is a jumble of Southern drawl and Midwestern nasal that would confound FBI analysts, but never. Never James Holland. Yeah, he knew what was going on. So as they become friends, one of the things that he says to, uh, to Sammy is, listen, um, I could probably put in a good word for you and keep you away from lethal injection. We can keep you out of the death chamber, but you've got to be honest with me. And I'll be honest with them, and I'll say things like, Sammy's not a rapist. And Samuel Little says, that's absolutely right. I am not that. So then, for some reason, that's enough to unlock this guy, and he's just going to start blurting out stories about all of these different murders that he's committed across the United States. They talk about, um, they talk about the women in Texas. For example, remember we said that there was a case in Odessa that sounded exactly like something that this guy might have done? When James Holland asked him about his time in Texas, he said, yeah, I spent some time in West Texas, specifically in Odessa. And he knew... He knew that he was going to be able to confess, confess to that murder, and he was going to get this guy to confess to that murder. One but that the, was the beginning. One of the exchanges was when he said, hookers is all you're going to find. And James Holland says he felt like he was being tested at that moment, Yep. and he just shrugged and said, do you see me tearing up? So he's got to – this Texas Ranger has to pretend that he's empathizing with this guy – who has dozens of murders, perhaps, under his belt. One of the things that he used to do as well is try to get Samuel Little to believe that he cared enough for him to do things like, hey, I'm going to break the rules a little bit. I'm going to bring you some McDonald's in the morning when I come in to interview you. I'll bring you some grits. I'll bring you a McDonald's Egg McMuffin or something like that. I'll be the one who wheels you down the hallway to the interview room. It wasn't just that. They would chat about sports, politics. It was like developing a relationship, and he was developing it with a serial killer. Now, the, the first thing that he wanted to do, that James Holland wanted to do, was to get Samuel Little to confess to those three murders that he'd been convicted of, which at this point he had not. That, when they started talking about Los Angeles, 
Samuel Little said, yeah, um, but I want to talk about Vegas. I had a good time in Vegas, which didn't make any sense because at that point he hadn't been connected to any missing persons cases or murders or rapes in Vegas. But James Holland thinks to himself, well, I'm not going to steer this guy away from confessing to a murder that maybe we hadn't connected him to. So he basically just says, well, tell me about Vegas. And he does. The guy comes out and explains how he had killed people in Vegas. And it went across the country. From Vegas, he goes to Mississippi. From Mississippi to Texas to Florida. All of these different places that he killed people. A couple of comments that struck me about what Sam Little said. Uh, talking about his first strangling. He said it was a woman, strawberry blonde hair. It was December 1970 in Miami. And here's his quote about his first murder. He said, it was like drugs. I came to like it. Holland at one point asked him, do you have any favorite victims? And Sam Little replied, they're all my favorites. They all belong to you. The, uh, the other odd thing about this case, and we've talked about it before as well, is James Holland convinced Samuel Little to draw some of the victims. And in James Holland's office in Texas, in his Texas Rangers office... The walls are covered with those drawings yeah. of all the murdered women. And they're, they're very specific. I wouldn't say that they're necessarily artistic in that you're not going to mistake it for a portrait. It's not like it's a very well-done thing, but it's very specific. Hair color is very specific. Eye shape, mouth shape the way the hair was worn, the clothes that they were wearing, all of that is very specific in all of these pictures. And in some cases, those have been posted to websites, whether it's the FBI or Texas Rangers website, to see if maybe somebody can identify the people just based on the serial killer's drawings of his victims. Here's another odd thing. James Holland has come to some contradictory conclusions about this serial killer. He seems to like Sam Little, says he would happily get beers with him if he could. He has admired openly Sam Little's artistic talent for drawing his murders, his, his victims, admiration for his intelligence and memory. He says uh, about Sam Little, the man is an absolute genius and he has a sickness. He doesn't know why and I don't know why. Weird. But I'm glad he gets to sit in the room with the serial killer and I don't have to. Or gets to, or he has to. It's like Clarice and Hannibal Lecter. There was a relationship. There was. Indescribable at points. Uh, when you watched Mindhunter, did, was it the same thing? I'm trying to remember. I only got a couple episodes into season one, but I'm wondering if the guys that were interrogating those serial killers developed a relationship well, as well. Towards the end of the season is, remember, when one of the detectives, one of the FBI agents, starts going a little bit loony. Uh, oh. And I think part of that was because he was internally struggling with I'm going to this guy. We've developed a relationship. There's something of a friendship there, but it's on the worst terms possible. Yeah. Because like it's a, it's that a horrible screw. foundation for why there's a friendship. That would screw with your head. All right. Uh, when we come back to the Gary and Shannon show, we'll get into uh, Terror in the Skies Baby Edition. We're live today at uh, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out for our latest news and brews. And again, many apologies to people who just showed up for lunch thinking, you know, it's just lunch. Welcome to the Gary and Shannon Show. <laughs> Gary and Shannon, we are live here out at BJ's in Orange, KFI AM 640. We are live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Going through this menu here at BJ's, and there is really something for everyone. Pasta, 
jambalaya. They even have zucchini pasta in there. If you're interested yeah, they in do. They've got some queso, guacamole, some boneless wings, some bone-in wings, some ribs, flatbreads. What aren't bone- boneless wings? They're just nuggets, aren't they? Just chicken nuggets. Yeah, they're delicious. Okay, you, you know, you don't have to hassle with the bone. The well, pizza really is the star the, at BJ's. The spicy pig and the sweet pig pizza. Those are the ways any to go. Any pig, I celebrate all of the pig. Oh, oh, any pig? They also have the chicken sandwiches over here. Oh, that, look at that Nashville that right hot there. fried chicken sandwich. That part right there, the hickory brisket and bacon burger. You told me you'd punch someone in the face for that. I might punch somebody in a lot of places for that. That's really... <laughs> Anyway, we'll get to this beautiful lunch menu out here at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. We'd love it if you would come on by and say hello. We have some gift cards from BJ's that we're going to be giving away a little bit later. And God knows why somebody made KFI oven mitts, but somebody made KFI oven mitts. I don't get it, but... uh, We'll be able to give those away as well a little bit later. Yeah. Everybody, Hmm. that's... uh, Must be a fork report thing. I might... Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Other that, or I haven't had anything yet. I was going to say otherwise. Somebody in the marketing department's gone off their rocker. So <laughs> it's time for terror in the skies. Flight two zero nine, you are cleared for takeoff. Roger, get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. I have had it with these monkey fighting snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. Well, we all have our pet peeves when we board an airline, don't we? People who line up for no reason. People who sit in the wrong seat because they can't read numbers. People who take their pants off (laughs) mid-flight. What? People who take their socks off. I gotta say something. I've gotta out some people that work with the Chargers. Uh oh. I've seen more. Th- I'm not talking about the players. I'm talking about the people who are who make up the staff. I've seen at least two or three guys uh, take off their socks right before we take off on those flights. Is it because it's a? Is it because it's a charter? Like they don't feel like they're amongst the I think the normal r- people. Rules or? are out the window. It's like Lord of the Flies up there. Socks come off. It's insanity. But don't do that. Yeah. Keep your socks, your socks on. Nobody's trying to smell that, right? Well, it's beyond that. It's what's on the bottom of that airplane. What's on the carpet? There's <laughs> hundreds, if not thousands, of people who have been on that airplane before you. Yeah. What have they been bringing You're in asking there? for a foot fungus at that point. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, Japan Airlines uh, is introducing a new map that you can click on when you book a flight on Japan Airlines. This map of the inside of the plane, the, you know, the seat chart where you can pick which seat you want, that seat chart will now tell you where the babies are. Yes. Passengers traveling with children between eight days and two years old who select their seats on Japan Airlines will have a child icon displayed on their seats on the seat selection screen. So other passengers, when they log on to buy their seat, will know where the kids are at. This is brilliant. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm surprised this is one airline so far that's been doing this. I haven't heard about it anywhere else. Yeah. Uh, If you travel with a kid, it is a a, uh, horrifically stressful situation, even if your kid travels well. I always feel bad for parents. Uh, You know, I don't feel annoyed at them when their babies are screaming because they're obviously mortified and they want it to stop just as much as everybody else wants it to stop. And they feel guilty about it, like they can control it in some way. It's a a rough 
if you're a first-time parent as well, and you're the, these kids are young for the first time, it's incredibly stressful. And you don't want to get on the plane until the very last moment. I, well, I told the story before where I did that. We showed up to the airport in Seattle. You didn't to check fly in. to L.A. We didn't check in. I mean, I, I checked in, I thought, at the guy with the sky cap at the curb because that he told me just go to the gate. I didn't know I also had to tell them at the gate I was there. Anyway, but we waited until the last minute because I didn't want to subject 200 people on the airplane to my son, and I didn't want to subject my son to being cramped in an airplane for two hours. So I tried to reduce that window as much as I could and end up almost missing the flight, almost missing the cruise that we were headed to anyway. That was 18 years ago, and I bet your wife's still pissed. She remembers that day very (laughs) clearly. (laughs) Much more clearly than I do, that's for sure. Oh, and then when we finally got on the plane, they had to actually go onto the plane and ask, does anybody want to volunteer to give up your seat because... This young father is an idiot and didn't get on the plane at time. And this was this was before the uh, September 11th attack. So so security was very different. But there were the nicest people who got up. One college student got up and, and gave up his seat. And then this other couple that had come on later knew that they kind of took advantage of of my stupidity. And they're like, hey, we can wait till the next flight. It was only 30 minutes away anyway. So they took they gave you know bless their hearts. They gave us their seats. So we had two together. And one singleton. And my wife stormed all the way down that airplane, and she sat in that seat by herself. And I got to sit next to my uh, 18-month-old son for the flight. Hey, I also wanted to tell you about this flight, Flight 1554 from Washington, D.C. to San Francisco last night. They had to divert to Denver because a woman got stuck in the bathroom. Like, the the bathroom door wouldn't open, and she's stuck in there. (laughs) Top five worst places to be stuck, am I right? Yeah. And that might be the top. That might be one, two, and three, depending on which uh, what you're doing in there. One, one of the men has heard saying in a video that was posted, "We're working on opening the door right now, ma'am. We'll get you out soon, okay?" <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we're live today at our latest news and brews, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Plenty of space for you to come on by and grab some lunch, grab a beer, whatever it is that you choose. Um, we'll be going through the menu here in a second, and. Um, and we'll try to figure out what it is that we're going to share, right? Yes. Okay. You usually make the culinary decision for us. <laughs> and then you get mad at me. No. All right. Uh, when, uh, when we come back, we'll get into trending. We'll talk about UCLA kindness, and we'll dump, jump back into the, uh, the whistleblower report that was unclassified today in Washington, D.C. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Black holes, solid ground. Black holes, solid ground. A thousand voices. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app and broadcasting live today from BJ's here in Orange. What a great crowd. Thank you all for coming out on Thursday. I know it's a little harder to get away on a Thursday than on a Friday, but we do appreciate it. It's nice to see all these smiles and friendly faces. It's not like you're to go outside and sit in the sun today. It's kind of gloomy outside. It is gloomy. Weird. Better be in here. Where it's uh, it's softly lit so that everybody says we look younger. Okay, that's fine by me. I don't mind. Uh, we'll get into Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour and talk about some political stuff that's going on in D.C. At the um, uh, next hour, 
We're also going to get into some strange science stories that are going on. There's some uh, some very weird stuff in the world of science that we need to talk to you. But in the meantime, what else is going on? Time for What's Happening. Well, the president has increased his defenses today, likening those who provided information to that whistleblower to spies. We told you about it earlier in the program. We saw that whistleblower complaint, and in it, it says that not only was the conversation with the Ukrainian president an issue when the president is asking for dirt on Joe Biden, a political rival for 2020 from a foreign adversary, but also the fact that it looks like senior administration officials tried to lock down all details of that call in the days and weeks that followed because they probably saw there was a problem with that. There is some concern. Nancy Pelosi had said that that is now what they're going to concentrate on when it comes to the impeachment inquiry that they're working on. But the president took to Twitter today. He was busy today. In all caps, saying the Democrats are trying to destroy the Republican Party and all that it stands for. Stick together, play their game, and fight hard, Republicans. Our country is at stake. There were dozens of either tweets or retweets that the president came up with today. Dozens this morning as a result of, you know, the, the... the, a lot of uh, activity that's been going on about this. Apparently, Trump told a private group at a hotel in Midtown this morning that people who gave information to the whistleblower were close to a spy and said the U.S. should handle them like it did in the old days. <laughs> like when we executed yeah, spies. I was going to say, when we hanged them, that would be yes. great. Uh, we'll get more into that at the Swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour. Also, uh, news out of Massachusetts. A tenth person has died from an infection from mosquitoes. The Department of Public Health in Massachusetts says they have uh, found a fourth death specifically in that commonwealth, eastern equine encephalitis. So nationwide, the death total is at 10. Uh, They said that the EEE, as it's known, rare virus transmitted by mosquitoes, typically only 5 to 10 human cases reported in the United States every year. And about 30% of them result in death. Uh, But among... The the, uh, the reports that we've seen so far this year, 30 among several different states. So for some reason, it's spiking this year. Joker has been in the news and trending because ever since it debuted at the Venice International Film Festival, there has been talks over its realistic portrayal of the Joker that slid into a psychosis that leads him to kill. And people are wondering if it is going to spark copycats if it's going to be too offensive for people because it's 2019 and we're all offended by everything why not involve the movies as well yeah and outrage todd phillips is the director of the movie he says outrage is a commodity it's something that's been a commodity for a while and what he said was and this is pretty interesting he says what's outstanding to me in this discourse in this movie is how easily the far left can sound like the far right when it suits their agenda it's really been eye-opening for me. That is such a good point. The, if you put that lens on many things. Yeah. The language they are going to use is going to be the same to argue against it. The movie itself will open October 4th, so next week. And there's a concern that this is going to cause some gun violence or prompt people to think that violence is the way out of their situation. It glorifies uh, the violence at the center of its plot. But... I, listen, how many times we've had the discussion about all kinds of movies over the course of uh, dozens of years. 
and it's not the case. But again, Joker opens up next weekend. Well, Seinfeld is still making millions for the creators, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. Of course, Netflix making headlines earlier this month when it landed rights to air all of the 180 episodes of the show about nothing. Nine figures is what they're saying. That's how profitable this will be. Yeah, each. They could each bag $100 million to $125 million. This uh, not the, bad. It's not a bad deal at all. Netflix paid five hundred million dollars for five years for all of the Seinfeld episodes, all hundred and eighty of them. Demi Moore's book has been getting headlines because of her talk about addiction and troubled times and doing drugs with her kids. Also, in this new book, she writes that. She and Ashton Kutcher did bong loads with the Bush girls, with Jenna and Barbara Bush, while their father was still president. That's a party I would have liked to be at. Uh, As a fly on the wall, of course. Right. But he, what's funny is Ashton Kutcher was paranoid that the Secret Service was going to be, you know, on the phone calling the, the local authorities to try to break up the party. That's not what they do. That's not what the Secret Service does. I mean, think of the... Think of the people that they've had to protect over the course of the years and have kept their mouths shut about the nefarious things that those people did. Ashton Kutcher says the girls used a hookah instead of a bong. He says he was at a Nike party with some friends when he met the Bush girls and invited them back to his place. He says, so we're hanging out. The Bushes were underage drinking at my house. And when I checked outside, one of the Secret Service guys asked me if they'd be spending the night. I said no. (laughs) <laughs> I go upstairs to see another friend, and I can smell the green out under his door. I open the door, and there he is smoking out the Bush twins on his hookah. <laughs> Good times. All right. When we come back, um, UCLA is going to establish the Kindness Institute. We'll talk about how much that's going to cost. Not us. I mean, somebody gave the money, but... How much that costs and why it is that we here at the Gary and Shannon Show would do it for about 5% of that cost. We'll do our own kindness seminar when we return. Sounds like a great idea. We're kind people. Gary and Shannon, we're live today at the News and Brews at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out and say hi and grab some lunch. We're about to dig into some uh, some food that we ordered a few minutes ago. So uh, we'll do that when we come back. Gary and Shannon, we are live today at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange for our latest news and brews. I think towards the end of the show, we have an announcement about our next news and brews coming up not too, uh, not too distant future that we'll tell you about. I'd like to apologize for any of you who just wanted to have a nice lunch at BJ's and walked into this. <laughs> into all, all of this. At the uh, bottom of the hour, more about Joseph McGuire, the acting director of national intelligence. Testifying before Congress today, the president's 40-plus tweets this morning as a result of everything that's been going on. Uh, and then also, uh, sports-wise, Dodgers, uh, Dodgers-Padres actually starts in a few minutes, and then they do three games in San Francisco. They'll make it to the playoffs. The question is, are they going to have home field advantage into the World Series? They'd have to get the best record in baseball, but right now Houston has the best record in baseball. People talk about academia, academia, academia. and how people involved in the universities are um, kind of cut off from everyday people. Yeah. This is proof of that. <laughs> it is very much proof of that. Uh, Jennifer and Matthew Harris 
Uh, Matthew, I know at least, is a 1984 UCLA graduate. They have made a donation to UCLA to open what they say will be the UCLA Badari Kindness Institute. $20 million to study kindness. If we took all these baloney BS studies and actually put all that money towards curing cancer, that would make me happy. That would make people kind. That would make more kindness happen. They're they're opening this institute to examine how kindness spreads from person to person and group to group. Well, you don't have to examine it. It's right there. Kindness does spread from person to person and then group to group. But doesn't this is what makes me think Why, about... What is there to examine? The, the Institute, uh, let's see, the interdisciplinary approach to understanding kindness through evolutionary, biological, psychological, economic, cultural, and sociological perspectives. When I, when I read through this, it made me think of the story that we talked about earlier. This kid, Carson King from Iowa, comes up on accident, basically, raises a million dollars for a children's hospital, right? And he's doing, he's living out this kindness. Even, even if it was by chance, he's living out this kindness. Well, then somebody comes along and points at him and says, you're a bad person, because you said something stupid five years ago or seven years ago or 12 years ago, whatever it is. And all of that kindness, poof, disappears. It's like he had this, this balloon full of kindness and somebody with a tiny little pinprick comes through, pops the entire thing. Well, he remained kind. He's still kind. The money is still going to go to the hospital. But just imagine the, the, the stain that is now on that kid because of one person's activity. Listen to one of the other goals for this Kindness Institute. UCLA psychologists will research how kindness can improve people's moods. Do we need to study that? Do we need to spend man hours researching how kindness can improve your mood? I think, what are we doing here, folks? These are psychologists that could be doing real work, I'm assuming. And I get this couple, and that's a very charitable gift, and that's very nice. They want more kindness in the world and all of that. But I don't think that's $20 million well spent. It seems to me they could have done about a million. Like, I would have charged them a million. They could start the Kindness Institute here. And we would maybe one segment a day of our show do or say something kind to someone, right? That sounds nice. We would carve out a 15-minute section of our show where we just were not a D to somebody. We'd be like those helpful Honda people. Right. But instead of, you know, the lameness of, you know, I'll pick up your tab, we'd give somebody a car. I mean, if I was a car company, I would give them a car instead of... <laughs> instead, I'll get, pay, I'll get you a burger. Yeah, instead of your $50 lunch, I'm going <laughs> to get you an actual car. But, but just the basics of it, like not why people are kind or how kindness spreads or any of that stuff. Just don't be a D to the people in your life. You know what? I like that rule of yours, and I try to remember it often. It's hard like if sometimes. I, if I'm frustrated or I'm pissed off or I'm in traffic and someone cuts me off and I want to give the, 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 fingle, the finger salute. The fingle. The fingle. <laughs> um, I think about your motto of just don't be a D. Yeah, because you don't know what the... That guy's been... He's had people be D to him all day. Maybe you're the one person who, instead of flipping him off... Just waves. Just waves. Hello, sir. Or doesn't do anything. Hello, kind sir who just cut me off. Almost caused a collision. (laughs) Okay, you have to be kind on the inside. Inside and outside. Right. When the windows are rolled up and when they're rolled down. That's when you have to be kind. So, that's... 
Sorry, I'm not looking past you, but I am looking at the food that's on the table over there. Well, we've got some tri-tip sliders. We've got some uh, regular sliders. These sliders, by the way, are the size of hamburger, like real size. Yeah, they're legit. Hamburgers. They're legit sliders. Mm. All right. Uh, Gary and Shannon, we're live today for our latest news and brews. The BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Just don't be a D. And when you... (laughs) When you come on out here, uh, make sure that you pick up one of the tickets either from the table or from some of our promotion staff that's walking around. We do have gifts that we're giving out a little bit later, but you've got to be here to win them at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the City of Orange. I'm going to get one of these sliders. We'll be back with Swamp Watch. Gary and Shannon, live today, our latest news and brews. We are at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange, pretty close to the outlets at Orange, so it's across the parking lot right over there. And we would love it if you would come on out. We'll be here until 2 o'clock today. Got some gifts for you. If you come on out, there's an opportunity for you to win some things, including some uh, BJ's gift cards that we have here. And somebody in the marketing department thought oven mitts would be a good idea. <laughs> so we have oven mitts uh, uh, with KFI on them. It's got to be a fork reporter thing. I've got to believe that. Uh, a couple stories that we have followed today. We'll talk more about the uh, the whistleblower thing here in a moment. There was a story out of uh, Riverside County, the 13-year-old Moreno Valley boy, who was at uh, Landmark Middle School when he was attacked by a couple of classmates. That 13-year-old boy has been declared brain dead. His family has to now deal with the just agonizing decision about trans uh, uh, donating his organs. And the two kids who were involved in the fight in the first place are going to be in jail and stay in jail for some time. Um, I, I said this before, my talking about this story, my wife said that must be a horrific phone call to get. And my question was, which, which phone call? The phone call that your, your kid, your 13-year-old, you know, fell and hit his head after a fight and uh, is now declared brain dead, or the the call that it was your kid that did it. Both of those are horrific phone calls to think about. Terrible. Uh, Well, most of the news this week has centered around Washington with all this talk of impeachment and whistleblowers will kick off Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Well, after news broke that a phone call between the president and the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, was at the center of this whistleblower complaint, apparently the president was undaunted, just as we would have suspected. But his senior administration officials started freaking out, and there was an internal debate in the White House. What are we going to do about what the president just asked the Ukrainian president to do? Yeah, and in the whistleblower complaint, which has now been officially unclassified and is available for you to check out, there is a a concern that the whistleblower himself, as referred to by the director of national intelligence, so we assume that it's a a dude, uh, that this whistleblower heard from other people in the White House that White House officials had intervened to lock down all records of the phone call itself, that they, uh, they, especially the official word-for-word transcript of the call that was produced, this set of actions underscored to me, I'm reading, by the way, from the, uh, from the whistleblower complaint, 
this set of actions underscored to me that White House officials understood the gravity of what had transpired in the call. The interesting thing about it is, according to this whistleblower, lawyers directed White House officials to remove the records of the call from the system where those are normally stored, that computer system, and actually put it in a super top secret system that is designed to store highly classified information, things that would be related to um, covert intelligence actions, stuff like that, even though a simple phone call with a, with a leader from another nation doesn't qualify, doesn't normally qualify to meet that criteria. One White House official described that act as an abuse of the electronic system because the call did not contain anything remotely sensitive from a national security perspective. Well, that's one argument, but the other is that the White House lawyers in shielding the president were shielding national security. Yeah, I mean, remember when the Mueller report came out, one of the things that was common was the president would give a directive. If it was, say, to Corey Lewandowski, go to Jeff Sessions and tell him I want him to unrecuse himself and get involved in the Russia investigation. And Corey Lewandowski never did that. Even though he was told to by the president, he never did that because he knew that would potentially be obstruction of justice. And he protected the president by not doing that. And I wonder if this is the same sort of a defense where these White House lawyers are saying, well, hey, we think that we don't want this to get out. Not because he did something wrong, but it appears he did something wrong. Well, regardless, what we have here is uh, a president who's accused of using his office for personal gain because he was going to get dirt about one of his rivals on tw- for 2020. But the dirt was Joe Biden using his office for personal gain yeah. in keeping his son on that energy board. Yeah, and I think that you can't – what it proves to me, the whole situation is that politicians, <clears throat> once they reach a certain level, whether are, it's the federal level, whatever it is, all they're dirty. dirty. Everybody's dirty. And you cannot be surprised by one person throwing mud against the other person because everyone has something to hide. Everybody has something that they're uh, embarrassed about. And in this case, Joe Biden has something to be embarrassed about. If he didn't, let's say that he, I mentioned this yesterday, let's assume he did something wrong. Let's assume he didn't do anything wrong today, right? When he said to the president of, uh, of Ukraine, hey, I'm going to withhold the billion dollars in loan guarantees unless that prosecutor, that corrupt prosecutor is gone. He should have known that his son was involved with a, a very high-profile investigation, that his son was on, on the board of an, a natural gas company that was under investigation, even if that prosecutor was corrupt, and even if he, knew, uh, he didn't know that there was an investigation going on. You've got to be more aware, and he's got to understand that that's going to reflect poorly on him and the office of the vice president. I've got to believe that he knew. Well, I do, too. Yeah. But I'm just saying... It, it, even if he didn't, he's got to be aware of that kind of a thing. Um, the, the story about whether or not this is going to lead to impeachment, it appears that Democrats do have a majority now in the House who are in favor of impeachment. Now, the, all they need is a simple majority vote to take this thing to the impeachment process. I which, believe they have 208, or 219 votes and they need 218. Correct, yeah. So, but, I mean, there's, there's talk about that as well. Do they need a vote of the full House? Or is Jerry Nadler's investigation an impeachment inquiry already? See, that, that's the other thing. They got so screwed up. The leadership was so against an impeachment process in the first place 
Jerry Nadler comes along and opens up the impeachment investigation, according to him, at the Judiciary Committee level. And then Nancy Pelosi comes over the top of him earlier this week and says, we are going to do an actual impeachment inquiry. So everyone's confused about which one... which one is the one that we should be paying attention to, right. if anything? And then Nancy Pelosi comes out today and says, on be, uh, uh, based on this unclassified whistleblower complaint today, oh, uh, what I mean to say is this is what we're going to pay attention to, is the potential for the White House to put this on lockdown and try to cover up what happened. She doesn't even know what's going on. Well, we've told you about Andrew Yang picking up steam in California. He's coming out here, by the way, next week. Oh, is he? Yeah. Andrew Yang and the Yang Bangers. Yes. Yeah, well, it looks like more support for handing out free money is growing. Um, can I? I also want to tell you about what he did in response to people going back through and looking at either old tweets, old Halloween costumes, anything that might be offensive in your past. There's a good Andrew Yang connection to that story. When we come oh, back. excellent. Gary and Shannon will continue today live at the, our News and Brews, at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Now I'm gone, now I'm gone, now I'm gone. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And we are here at BJ's today in Orange. What a great crowd. I was a little nervous because it's a Thursday. Usually we do our news and brews on a Friday. But you guys showed up, and we sure appreciate it. Hey, next hour also we have an update. We'll tell you where our next News and Brews is going to be. We're actually going to be out and about next week as well for the Great Pacific Air Show. We're going to be in Huntington Beach right along the pier there for our show live on Friday from 10 till 2. And then the week after that, we have another News and Brews coming up. And we'll tell you about that a little bit later in the show. We are in the middle of Swamp Watch, and we're talking about Andrew Yang and how he has surged, I believe, something like 13 points or something like that in the past month or so. And it might be because he wants to give away free money. It looks like support for universal basic income is on the rise, according to a new Hill-Harris-X poll that was released yesterday. It was a nationwide survey. It found that 49% of registered voters are in favor of the government issuing basic living stipends. Yeah, his plan is for $1,000 a month for every adult that's, you know, in the country legally that would qualify, and it's voluntary, but you'd have to, uh, you'd have to opt out of it, basically. You, everyone would get it. Unless you opt out of it and for some reason wouldn't want it. Who's going to do that? I have no idea. I don't know. The difference is, listen, if you're making $25,000 a year, you're getting just about a 50% raise for the rest of, you know, for whatever it is that you're making. And if you're 19 years old, my son is an example, right? If my son's making $20,000 a year or $30,000 a year and he starts getting $1,000 a month. Oh, think about all the car parts he would order. Well, the argument is, then, all of the car parts he orders, he's got to pay a tax on, obviously. But then he's got to... That means that the car part place, Car Parts Emporium, now has to hire more people to deal with the up, you know, the, the uptick in business Isn't as well. Isn't that a good thing? No, no, no. It is a good thing. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the philosophy of it 
economically, it starts to make sense about universal basic income. Wait, wait, wait. Economically, but, it makes sense. But what does that do to a person? That's the thing. I, there's, a, there's so much about his universal basic income, which he calls the freedom dividend, that I can understand and kind of say, well, it makes a little bit of sense. One of his arguments is that if you run the nation like a business and we have a 18 20 trillion dollar economy that's buzzing along 3% 4% whatever it is don't you think that the people who work for that company that is the United States and making this gross domestic product that we should we should somehow benefit from the dividend according to him that w- that is created through the, gro- the gross domestic product but the problem to go back to what you're asking is what does that do to a person if if you don't have to work and you just get $1,000 a month, there's, there's not enough people who will invest in the, uh, I'm getting it because I have worked, I have helped propel this country forward. I, there's not enough people who will understand that. They'll cut back on what it is that they would otherwise do. People who have yet to learn how good for you work is. And how good it makes you feel about yourself when you're earning your money. There, his argument has also been that $1,000 extra dollars a month for every adult would mean it would give you the freedom, for example, to take up... Shoes. Sh- painting or singing or ballet. or it, it would allow you to expand who you are as a person so that you're not just a cog in a wheel pumping out plastic parts, making widgets, that kind of a thing. It gives you that expendable income to do things you wouldn't otherwise be able to do and that that would, in a very happy, touchy-feely way, enrich the nation. Do you think more people will take up painting classes or hookers and blow? Hookers and blow. Yeah. Because I think human nature is not what it... He does not account for human nature in the plan. No, unfortunately. It's a very Pollyanna-esque plan. Believing in the good in all people. Plus, you know, so if my son makes 30000 and he's given a raise of, of $12,000 a year, what about somebody who makes $200,000 a year and they get a raise of 12000 Shoes. All, lots and lots of shoes. Uh, are you going to buy stuff that's made in China or are you going to buy stuff that's made in the United States of America? Because shoe, Italian shoes, only for you, right? That's No, I don't think no, don't so. Care. That sounds expensive. Uh, I wanted to throw this in there as well since we're talking about Andrew Yang because he's got a great sense of humor. You don't have to agree with him politically, but one of the things that came out last week was Justin Trudeau, the Canadian prime minister, and the fact that he showed up in blackface <laughs> at, a, at an old party. I'm not laughing at that. I'm laughing at this. Andrew Yang tweeted uh, just yesterday, in the run-up to Halloween, I am posting pictures of Halloween's gone by to this thread so that he you can't catch him on anything that he did as a kid, right? A couple of years ago, he went as a, uh, as a punk rocker, full black eye makeup and his hair slicked back, a uh, uh, collar with studs on it. He and his wife standing there. She's gorgeous. She is beautiful. She's gorgeous. There's another one of him as a wizard. That's him with the glasses and the beard in the back as a tiny little kid. <laughs> That's great. And then Phantom of the Opera as well. I thought it. Listen, the guy's got a got a great personality. He you don't does. have to agree with him politically, but he's got a great personality. So, uh, when we come back, just a quick update. We know things are winding down in Washington D.C., so we'll kind of put a bow at least for today. Put a bow on this whole whistleblower thing and the acting director of national intelligence who is testifying before Congress today. And then we'll get into some great and fun and cool science stories as well.
including those mosquitoes that are killing people left and right all over the United States. <laughs> Gary and Shannon will continue. We're live at our News and Brews at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out and say hi. All over my mouth. When I did that. Sorry. See what you get when you make fun of me. <laughs> Gary and Shannon live today at our News and Brews BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the City of Orange, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. The gentleman who gave us our uni- uh, unicorn pinata is here. Oh, that's uh, right. We still have that pinata in our office, sir. It is one of our prized possessions. Yeah, you're lucky we didn't bring it and give it away. We wouldn't do that. We would. Well, I wouldn't say we would never do that, but we're, we're, we won't do it today. How's that? We do have some other stuff that we will be giving away. If you are in the building here, make sure you come up, grab a, uh, a little raffle ticket. We have some prizes that we're going to give away a little bit later. Um, also, in a few minutes, our friend Alex Stone from ABC News is going to join us. We're going to talk about the unfortunate nature of paying for gasoline in the state of California. Uh, When we saw the attack on the oil facilities in Saudi Arabia, we knew the prices were going to go up. But now there are some refinery issues. Everybody loves the refinery issues, right? There are now some refinery issues here in the state, which means we could, within a week or so, be paying as much as an average of $4.30 per gallon for gasoline in California. That's incredible. Yay. We have some late-breaking whistleblower news. Whistleblower, the word of the day. The New York Times is claiming that the whistleblower behind the complaint made about that phone call between the president and his Ukrainian counterpart is a CIA officer, a male CIA officer who at one point had been detailed to the White House. The Times says they have corroboration from three sources. It's interesting. They they describe the the information that was in the whistleblower complaint. Again, it was unclassified overnight. Uh, a lot of members of Congress were able to see it yesterday. Now everybody can see it. It's available online. Uh, this complaint uses language, uh, specific words and phrases that makes the New York Times believe, or at least some of the people that they talk to that this is a guy who knows a lot about Ukraine. A so, lot about Ukrainian politics, in fact. Yeah. So so this may be somebody specific, or at least, you know, the more information, if this is true, the information that we get about it, there are people out there who will hear that, knowing that the guy knows a lot about Ukrainian politics, knowing that the guy was at one point detailed to the White House, they may know exactly who that is now. The New York Times defended its decision to publish information on the whistleblower, arguing that the context of this person's position and expertise lends credibility to his complaint. Of course, this is that nine-page complaint that we've told you about. It was made public today, and it alleges that not only was the phone call improper, where the president asks the Ukrainian president to see if he can find out more about Joe Biden and his son Hunter Biden and his role on an energy board over there while Biden was vice president, but that, in fact, there were several senior administration officials who tried to cover up or conceal this call after the fact. Yeah, and, it, and specifically it was that they would, they would take the transcript of the call, the word-for-word transcript memo of the call, and actually put it into a, a specific computer system that is usually designed for uh, very top-secret classified information, but that would res- uh, that would relate to some covert operation of some kind, something that would be utmost security in terms of national security, 
and that would be a password-coded thing. This is a president who doesn't play by the rules. If he wants dirt on Biden and he thinks the Ukrainian president has it, he's going to ask for it. But the senior administration officials who have been in Washington for much longer know that that phone call could be seen as improper and, in fact, at worst... Uh, the president is using his office in order to get some personal gain against a against an adversary come 2020. Now, one of the other things that I thought was interesting as you go through the complaint is the discussion about Rudy Giuliani and his involvement, if there is any, in getting some of that information from Ukraine. And the State Department was so worried about Rudy Giuliani's contacts with people in Ukraine that they reached out to the president's lawyer and they said, hey, you need to stop doing this. We need to, put, you know, kind of put a fence around whatever damage you've already inflicted and make sure it goes no farther than this. So not only were they concerned about the phone call, about the potential, you know, quid pro quo that was that they thought might exist in that call, but also that Rudy Giuliani, again, the personal attorney of the president, not an official State Department, not a foreign relations official, nothing, the personal attorney for the president was over there talking to people in Ukraine about what was going on. They were very concerned about that. Um, and the timing of it as well. The timing of it is something that they mentioned, that this whistleblower, who, again, was not privy to the original phone call but heard from White House officials, that person wrote in the complaint that the president instructed Vice President Pence to cancel the travel to Ukraine and attend President uh, Zelensky's inauguration, that Rick Perry led the delegation instead. And that, according to those officials, it was made clear to them that the president did not want to meet Zelensky until he saw how he chose to act in office. And then that somehow that issue itself was enough to at least give the impression that he was withholding the money that we had promised Ukraine to wait and see how it was he was going to respond to these calls for, hey, if you get any dirt on Joe Biden. Again, it's not spelled out clearly. There's no direct connection. I like but this agent is suggesting that that timing was very important. I like the Rick Perry energy connection, too. Yeah. You don't get Mike Pence. You get Rick Perry. But the whole energy thing. Oh, I didn't think about that. Because of Hunter Biden. Anyway. Probably just a coincidence. Well, as we go through this, um, we mentioned this before. This is what Democrats want to hang the impeachment hat on. Nancy Pelosi saying that this complaint that was released, now that we are dealing with an issue or at least the question of whether White House officials wanted to hide the transcript and hide what happened in the phone call, she says that's what this impeachment inquiry will be about. Again, Public sentiment, as of the latest polls, I'm sure they're going to come up with some new ones in the next few days, but public sentiment is not in favor of impeachment. Public sentiment, I think, the vast majority of people understand, it's a divisive process. You know what's not divisive? Sliders. Can we take a moment to honor the sliders sliders. that we had here at BJ's? I don't know. They were delicious. Now listen, sometimes people go overboard on sliders. They get to be too cute. They try to be too cute. They try to do too many flavors. Three the, ingredients. The is sliders here are America, okay? Yeah. You've got your patty, you've got your ketchup, your pickle, and uh, a little lettuce. You and you put the pickle on yourself. If oh, you want to yeah. go if you got you got three I'm a three pickle person. How many pickles do you uh I separate my pickles. You do. Oh pickles come outside. Yeah. Pickles are outside the sandwich. Interesting. Uh, but the barbecue tri tip slider that they had was the barbecue sauce, the tri tip the bun. 
That's it. Yeah. That's all you need. That's all you need. You want to wash it down with a French fry and a pickle? It's up to you. You don't have to get cute with your sliders. It even gave Nick heart palpitations. Oh, no. Not again. Good now? Did you check your pulse? Give me a quick count on that. 15. (laughs) Uh, When we come back, gas prices continue to go up. We'll tell you what the latest is we can expect. Uh, They'll go up a quarter by the time you leave here today. Oh, great. Gary Shannon, we're live today. Our latest news and brews at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. We'll be here until 2 o'clock. And before the show ends, we'll tell you where the next news and brews is going to be as well. I don't even know. You don't know? <laughs> no. All right. Well, I'll tell we'll you then as well. We'll find out together. <laughs> uh, Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> Shannon, we are live today at our latest news and brews, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange, right here close to the uh, outlets at Orange. Before the uh, before the top of the hour, we'll tell you where our next news and brews is going to be. We know that next Friday, we're going to be doing our show live from the uh, pier right there at Huntington Beach for the Great Pacific Air Show that kicks off next Friday. Coming up at the bottom of the hour, we will talk all of these strange sciencey stories that we have, including... Proof that infants sipped animal milk from prehistoric baby bottles. <laughs> what? But anyway, well, most of the country paying more at the gas pump because of the Saudi Arabian oil field explosions. But things in California are getting even worse where we've got some refinery problems. Our friend Alex Stone has been covering this story. Alex, we saw, of course, after the attack on the Saudi Arabian oil facilities, we were expecting oil prices to go up, but maybe not this much. Yeah, California is alone on this one. This does not affect the rest of the country. You remember we were talking a week or so ago, and it was, well, prices are going to go up probably anywhere from 5 to 24 cents a gallon. And nationwide, that's what they did. In California, that's what they did initially. And then now we've got these problems. If there are refinery issues, unplanned work at the PBF refinery in Torrance, an outage at the uh, Chevron in El Segundo, flaring events at the Valero in uh, Benicia up north, uh, Marathon's L.A. refinery has problems. And as we all know, anytime there are refinery problems here in California, we feel the impact. And there are so many problems right now that, listen to this, the oil analysts are saying, we may be looking at in the next couple of weeks regular unleaded at $4.30 a gallon, that they believe it's going to continue going up right around 4 bucks today, that in the last couple of days it's gone up. I know I saw at most places three ninety nine coming in this morning, and it's going to continue going up because of supply and demand. There was a federal report that came out yesterday showing that supply levels in California are at extremely low levels right now because of these refinery problems. And it comes down to to that supply and demand issue. Less supply, that demand is up, the prices go up, and that's what we're seeing right now. That within a week or two, we may be looking at 4.30 a gallon. How long is that expected to last? Well, hard to say because it all comes down to how long are these refineries going to have problems, and they're working on those issues right now. If they can get the refineries back up to, to full operational states, then maybe a week or two. But uh, talking to the folks over at Gas Buddy, they say they're expecting this to be probably at least two or three weeks, that uh, the most likely scenario. We're still dealing 
with the Saudi attacks and the increase from that, then you add this on to it. So the prices haven't gone down from the attacks yet, which that will probably happen in the next uh, week or so. But we're going to continue suffering here. And as we talk about all the time, that, you know, a normal state, if you were Colorado and you had refinery problems, you would just pull from another state. And much of the refined gas already comes from other states uh, when you, you live in anywhere but California. But because everything with the environmental laws here are that, that we're an island and it's refined here, and if you can't refine it here, well, then you're screwed because you can't get it from Nevada or Arizona or Oregon, that then we're kind of we're left high and dry. That's what we're dealing with right now. So many refineries in California are having instant problems that there's nowhere else we can get it from, and until they're back online, prices are just going to keep going up. But, you know, we said it a week ago when the Saudi situation happened, of fill up now. The prices have gone up. They are higher today, but fill up now because in a couple of days we could be, according to the analysts, looking at 430 a gallon or even higher. Alex, I'm not going to tell you how to do your job, but in a few minutes you're going to want to listen to tell you when the next news and brews is so that you can come on out and, vo- and join us. Oh, yeah? Is it going to be a good one? Uh, they're all good ones, but, I mean, is this going to be an especially good one? I mean, if you're going to be there, it's yeah. going to be an especially we'll good it one. It's going to be a party. I'm always up for a drink. <laughs> Alex, thank you. Bye, guys. Alex Stone there with the latest on uh, gas prices that could go up to 430 in the next uh, next two weeks or so. All right, well, we got a stack of crazy, weird, science stories. We'll do strange science when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Live at our News and Brews here at BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Come on out and say hi. We'll be here until 2 o'clock. Today at uh, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange for our latest news and brews. In a few minutes, we'll tell you where the next one is going to be so you can come on and join us. I can't wait to find out. We're going to do a... Uh, <laughs> you were on the email. I don't, I don't read what, emails. Uh, uh, <laughs> it will be on a Friday. We know that. It's going to be a Friday coming up, so we'll tell you about that. We know that we will next Friday be live at uh, the Huntington Beach Pier for our show from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. Uh, doing our air show edition. The Great Pacific Air Show is going to be out there. So we're going to well, be talking a, a lot about Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about piloting different kinds of aircraft. And w- that's not a laugh line. The whole Are you going to wear your pilot's outfit? Ooh, I should. I don't they took it back. The Air Force didn't let me keep that. Oh, that's nice too job, bad. Ice. Uh, oh, I, I have some uh, You could probably stop at the Halloween store and pick up Oh, that's a great a, idea. A pilot costume. That's not a bad idea. I do have a blue helmet, uh, a blue angel helmet in the in the house somewhere I could pick Cause up. Because it, and... it's your father-in-law's. Well, yes, it's because he was a real pilot. Okay, well, there's that. There is <laughs> um, a couple of things that we've followed. Of course, the uh, the whistleblower saga continues in Washington. Uh, it turns out that the acting director of national intelligence testified today before the House and Senate Intelligence Committees. Also, the New York Times came out with what they believe is the identity of the whistleblower in this case. They say it is a CIA agent who at one time was detailed to the White House, which makes sense because that's how they would get information from the other people who work in the White House. But also that that person 
has a, a pretty extensive knowledge about Ukraine and Ukrainian politics. So for people in the CIA, they may know exactly who that is. They didn't give a name or anything, uh, but they have at least identified him as, as somebody who works for the CIA. And then perhaps the biggest news of the day, not that Melvin Gordon is coming back to the Chargers. Yes. We now know who will be performing at halftime of Super Bowl XLVXIIIX. Or whatever it is, 54, 53, 54 You know, I in still Miami? can't listen to Beyonce because she was the act when the 49ers went to the Super Bowl and lost. I still can't listen to Destiny's Child or any Beyonce. Still mad about that, huh? Still upset. Uh, NFL and Pepsi, which is the main sponsor for the halftime show, have announced that Jennifer Lopez and Shakira... Oh, I will, love that. ...will be the halftime act for the Super None Bowl. None of those hips are lying. February... Uh, those those two together great. both independently tweeted uh, information about it that said, this is happening, 220, 2-2-20. Uh, Shakira wrote, get ready, 2-2-20. The NFL on a big, huge poster of both Jennifer Lopez and Shakira wrote Pepsi Halftime Show. It's, oh, I guess it's Super Bowl LIV. That's what it is. It'll be 54. Love it. Uh, February 2nd down in Miami. Well, we've got some strange science-y stories. Oh, yeah. Yeah, strange science. Strange science. It's It's like weird science, but strange. Are you ready to hear about prehistoric baby bottles? Uh, Now, when you say that, when you say that there's evidence that prehistoric babies drank from baby bottles it makes it makes me think of a far side cartoon yes where where <laughs> the mom caveman is cave woman is holding a cow over the baby yes. like that would be the 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 original sippy cup i guess there was a study of some mysterious pottery vessels found in children's graves that just took a turn. Wow. Uh, from the Bronze and Iron Age period, and they have made some remarkable findings. It was an international team of scientists that now believe these pottery pieces with spouts were made to feed infants and our ancient baby bottles. What's more is the milk residue inside them came from domesticated animals. There's Wait, long... hold on a second. Like cats and dogs domesticated animals? Well, domesticated had a different meaning back then. Oh. I would think maybe goats. Oh, okay. That makes more sense. There has long been a controversy in academic circles as to how children were weaned off breast milk in the prehistoric past. Now, some experts have argued that children were given breast milk substitutes, while others argue that the women breastfed their children right up until they could eat solids. Yeah. Um... Some women still do that. I know. I was just going to say that, that that's still Did a... I ever tell you about the time I was in Denver? And uh, one of my girlfriends has a real problem with people who breastfeed their toddlers. <laughs> like, she, it's one of her, her issues, you know, her hardcore things that she cares about issues. It's a trigger for her. And there we were, a group of us at a restaurant in Denver. And the woman at the table next to us were having lunch woman next to us has a toddler child was maybe four three and a half four (laughs) and right there in the restaurant she takes that toddler puts him on her lap breast comes out the milking commences the milking and i look look over at my girlfriend who cannot stand this and there's a single tear (laughs) rolling down her cheek 
because <laughs> she was so offended by it. Uh, uh, good times. We. <laughs> well, anyway, the milking commences. The milking. Uh, we've talked a lot about uh, surveillance state. If you go to China, uh, everywhere you set foot in China, they have some sort of facial recognition camera that is watching you and the software that's analyzing your image because they want to identify you and keep the eyes on the bad people. That's, that's what China does. Yes. London is similar to that as well. London has a bunch of closed-circuit TV cameras everywhere. Not all of them are facial recognition necessarily, but they're all keeping an eye on you. There is a, there is a brand new market out there for the tools to fool facial recognition cameras. How do you do that? Great question. For example, Emily Roderick is 23 years old, and she belongs to a club called the Dazzle Club. They walk around, London specifically for them, they walk around with stripes painted on their faces, red, black, and blue stripes painted on their faces, because they believe that doing so confuses the cameras and throws everything off. So they're not hiding from anything. They just don't like the principle of being spied on all the time yeah, by but, the government. And, and listen, I have, I have principle issues with a lot of things that the government does. But I'm not going to walk around downtown Los Angeles with red, like blue, and black. Like a tribal person? Right, with paint on my face because I think that the government is keeping an eye on, on me. That's a red flag, isn't it? Uh, that that person is maybe going through something? Yes. If that's what you belong to a club for, is the anti-facial recognition. Here's another one, by the way. I wanted to show you the pictures. Um, one, of the, one of the things that happens in a facial recognition software is it'll take your image and it'll do a bunch of measurements on your face based on what, you know, how you present to the camera. And it will measure the distance between your eyes compared to your nostrils and the whole thing to come up with an identity for who you are, to keep an eye on you as you travel throughout your day. You can buy masks, super hyper-realistic masks. I mean, these happen to be of six Asian people, but you can buy these masks and wear them around town so that they track that person and not you, which is a weird Mission Impossible-style way to beat the camera. It's very, very odd. Are you asking how much that is? I'm just envisioning what movie could be made about that, about people dodging face recognition technology. Uh, in 2010, a white man pleaded guilty to carrying out six robberies in Ohio while wearing the mask of a black man's face. They actually arrested the wrong guy originally. They arrested a black guy originally for that. I mean, that's just an example of how it can go wrong. All right, we've got killer mosquito news coming up oh, next. Oh, uh, and Gavin Newsom astronaut news. When no. We can, yes. No. Guarantee you, Gavin Newsom. Those are two very different things. Gary and Shannon will continue live today at our News and Brews at the uh, BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Thanks for coming out today. We've got a few minutes left in the show. And a big announcement about when our next News and Brews is. You're going to want to stand by for that. I can't wait to find out. So give me the green light. Let's go. I'm ready to go. John can't screw in light bulbs now? Oh, he can't do anything. He is completely worthless around the house. And in fact, doesn't even know the way home. John, oh, Co right. John Cobalt leaves the station every night at 6 and puts his home address into his GPS unit. True story. And it's... And, and nobody, his address doesn't change. And nobody's it's, asking any questions. You know, well, all these red flags. <laughs> and, and nobody's asking any questions about the guy. Gary Shannon, KFI AM640. <laughs> live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. We are live today. Our latest news and brews. 
at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange. Uh, just some weird science stories that we wanted to keep you updated on. Yesterday, Gavin Newsom came out with a new plan. Um, if you remember last year, Jerry Brown uh, very grumpily said something like, well, I'm going to put my own damn satellite up there. Well, Gavin Newsom has kind of capitalized on that, and, and he's not going to launch a satellite, but he and Michael Bloomberg, you remember Michael Bloomberg, former mayor of New York City? Sure. They have teamed up to create to, the California Space Force. <laughs> no, they say that they are going to use existing satellites and maybe launch some new ones as well to help quantify emissions from all over the world and uh, try to measure our progress oh, as a state towards, okay. towards well, let, climate goals. Let me help them out with that. Okay. China yeah. is to blame for most of it. Okay. And no matter what environmental standards we put in place here in California, if China does nothing, it doesn't matter what we do. Oh. So that's just my message to them. I'll send them a tweet right now. It just says, sure. you're out of luck. What was the tell me? Tell me about the mosquitoes that were killing people. Oh, yeah. This isn't good, guys. <laughs> the Massachusetts Department of Public Health has reported there's been a fourth death in the Commonwealth from the EEE. Doctor, what does that stand for? Equine. Eastern. Eastern equine encephalitis. Very good, or Dr. Encep- Hoffman. And, and encephalitis causes encephalopathy? We're talking about 10 deaths there... across the country. Now, but I have to get it from a... It's a rare virus transmitted by mosquitoes. There oh. are typically only 5 to 10 human cases reported in the United States each year. About 30% of all cases result in death. You know, that's a real B for people who are, what, overzealous when it comes to diagnosing themselves with uh, death? (laughs) Diagnosing themselves with death. Remember that time I had back pain and And I went on the internet and I thought I was dying of acute kidney failure? Yes. Um, There are people that go through life freaking out about things like that all the time. And now we've got killer mosquitoes. So every mosquito bite... We've always had killer mosquitoes. We have. But now here's more. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I just feel bad for the people who are going to obsess about a mosquito bite and wonder if they're going to, you know, die from it. Yes. And the more they worry about it, the more likely they are to die about it or die from it, I suppose. So don't worry about it. If you're going to sit there and worry about it, you're just going to have a horrible day. You don't pay attention to anything. I haven't seen you sick in four years. Because you just ignore it all. Well, no, it's because I cleanse the studio every day when we walk in. I have to. But, I mean, four years with no illness, no flu, no cold, that's, that's pretty the, good. That is not true. I have been, I've, had, I've lost my voice a couple of times, I think. No, you have not. Are you sure? Not in four years. <clears throat> Starting to feel a little, <coughs> little tickle then. I got four years of sick time saved that's, up. That's a handle thing, losing your voice. It is true. I don't yell quite as much as he does off the air. All right. Well, thank you to everybody. Thank you to BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in the city of Orange for having us today. And a thank you to everybody who showed up. Congratulations to our uh, to our winners who walked away with some BJ's gift cards today. Yes. Uh, a couple of things to put on your calendar, by the way. Next weekend is the Great Pacific Air Show out in Huntington Beach. We are going to be there on Friday at the pier. We're going to be on the pier at. Uh, wow, I was very excited. Somebody <laughs> loves the pier. Uh, we're going to be live on the pier doing our show Friday, October fourth. From 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. And our next news and brews 
Thankfully, we did not piss off the people at BJ's because we are going to be live at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in Downey. Oh, how about that? On Friday, October 11th. Well, that'll be a good time. The next News and Brews again at the BJ's Restaurant and Brew House in Downey on October 11th. I'd like to give a shout out to Blake Stad John, who is here, whose commitment to the show is greater than Blake's. It's greater than his <laughs> greater than his commitment to his own son. We appreciate that. <laughs> Just kidding, Blake. You know we love you. Well, we know Dad loves him. Right. That's, That's what I That's what's meant. important. Again, yeah. uh, thank you to everybody who showed up. We appreciate it. John and Ken are going to be uh, coming up right after this. And we'll see you again tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. Blessings. Oh. Gary and Shannon. He's giving it the big build up there, and he did not deliver at all. What a shame. Nobody wants to see that.